Hey guys, it's Lindsay Gensel, and you're listening to Refocused, a podcast all about ADHD. Just a reminder, the show is taking a little break to get in some much-needed R&R, and we'll be back with brand new episodes exploring all things ADHD in April. In the meantime, we're sharing some of the incredible conversations we had during our very first Refocus Together back in 2022. And of course, as always, I just want you to know I am so grateful for your continued support. Thank you so much for sticking with us during the full-blown roller coaster of a year. It has been a trip, one that has been so much better thanks to all of you. Remember, you can always connect with the show through email, hello at refocuspod.com, or on social at refocuspod and at Lindsay Gensel. And now, let's get started with today's episode, Jen Shawl and Getting to the Finish Line. Jen Shawl was diagnosed with ADHD in December of 2020, at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. A comedian who works in development, being forced to isolate and not having her usual lifestyle of running from one thing to the next allowed her to get to know herself in a way she hadn't been able to before. And what she was seeing, well, it had her concerned. Simple things like brushing her teeth and answering emails, they were becoming more challenging and she could see it. She could feel that struggle and she knew she had to figure out what was going on. A high score on an online ADHD quiz pushed her to talk to her primary care provider, and then came the diagnosis she wasn't too surprised to get. She had made it into her early 40s, living, working, and mostly thriving with ADHD. I hope you enjoy my hilarious and inspiring conversation with Jen Shaw, one I was so thankful to be able to have in person earlier this fall on a rooftop in downtown Minneapolis. I'm all about transparency, so I should tell everyone that you and I, Jen, have known each other for a very long time. I don't know the last time we saw each other. We can get into that, but we are friendly. We run in the same circles. We we know a lot of the same people. And so when I had the very ADHD moment of going, you know, what are we going to do for ADHD Awareness Month? Let's tell a new story every single day. You're actually one of the first people that came to mind Aww. because I am so familiar with your story. And you are so open, and I knew that it was very likely you would be comfortable sharing it. So, one, thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> it's like a lovely little reunion. <laughs> Why don't you start by going back to your own ADHD diagnosis story and kind of what led up to oh, seeking that out? Yes. Well, I think we're all familiar with this little thing we've been dealing with for the last couple of years, the pandemic. And, you know, like everyone else, isolated at home, you know, through the summer of 2020 into the fall, I started really noticing some really weird things that were happening. I had all these things that I wanted to do, but I physically could not do them, like uh, brush my teeth or remember to feed the dog or, you know, just like basic, basic daily things. I couldn't like get myself to respond to emails for work. So it was just building up, which was causing all this anxiety. And I think I saw someone talk about ADHD. And I just sort of had this moment where I was like, hmm, that sounds a little bit like me. And I found this online quiz through like a ADHD magazine. And I did it. It was specifically for women. 
I just happened to, you know, 20 questions, whatever, scored off the charts. Whoop, and I whoop. thought, oh, this is kind of, this is crazy. And I, a couple weeks later, I actually had an appointment for a physical with my primary care and I talked to her about it. And, you know, at the time, like I was also on antidepressants and anxiety, depression, anxiety were things that have existed for me for years. And I also always had all these like long-term goals that I knew all the steps that I needed to take to get to them, but I could not complete those steps. And it killed me because rationally I could, I knew what I needed to do, but I could just never quite make it to that finish line. And that was kind of a theme that was throughout my life too. So as I'm talking with my primary care, she's like, I mean, it, it makes sense to get tested. If you're, if you're thinking these things, you're feeling these things, she goes, I'm going to up your antidepressants also, because maybe that, you know, could be some of it as well. So at that time, I feel really lucky that I got him when I did, because I think like psych just boomed after that. But I ended up getting like a testing appointment for December. And so, you know, went through the motions with all of that. A lot of it was online due to the pandemic, but I did go in and do all of those, you know, in-person diagnostics, the impulse test, which I, wow, that was eye-opening, pressing the space bar for the X on the screen. I think like I pressed it every single time a letter appeared. I was like, well, uh, no impulse control, that tracks. And so a few weeks after that, I, you know, got the call from Psych and we talked through the results. And, you know, it wasn't anything that, like, he didn't tell me anything I didn't already subconsciously know about myself, but it was really amazing to have a name to it because suddenly, and I know people have different experiences to this, but it felt to me like, okay, I'm not a garbage person. This is just how I operate. And now that I know that, what am I going to do with that? And I know a lot of people have like kind of those, oh my God, what if I would have known? I mean, because I was 42. So that's an important fact as well. I've managed 42 years in this life as a professional, as a human being, as a citizen. Like, you know, I have a, a pretty great career that required me to manage a bunch of things and people and how I could do all of those things. And have this, not know it, but have been able to like adapt throughout the course of my life. And everything just made sense in that moment. Why I needed to leave every job after a couple of years, which I used to call a entrepreneurial mindset. And it was like, oh no, you just get really bored because you fixed all the things and now it's time for you to move on to new problems. Or it took me 16 years to finish my undergrad with a 12-year break, but still. Oh, you make it all the way to the end almost. And then you're like, mm, I'm out. Uh, I ran a half marathon without actually really training for it. Imagine what you could do if you trained for it. Like even around eating and exercise and all of this stuff, like all of these elements, it just like made so much sense to me. And it almost was like this level of like self-acceptance, you know, like, okay, it's not me. There is a legit thing that's happening here. And now I can put a name to, oh, don't even talk to me about being late for stuff. That is like the biggest piece. I know. And now I can be like, it's not my fault. I'm working on it. You're working on it. And I also appreciate that you said you're like, I'm not a garbage person because the unfortunate side for a lot of us with ADHD and the added unfortunate part is that it's a lot of women. Yes. It's the shame that comes with it. It's the shame that comes with not being able to 
do things quote unquote right. Mm -hmm. And it's a nice reminder when you're told like, hey, there actually is something leading to this. And to know like you are a person with a brain that is neurodivergent, living in a world that is made for neurotypical people. And to just hear that and be able to go, okay, I know what I still need to work on. I almost know now what's standing in my way and there's a path forward. Absolutely. Like uh, the time management stuff. You're like, okay, there are lots of tools that exist to help me with this. My partner, Matt, is so gracious. Like he's the most punctual person on earth. And so the two of us together, he gets annoyed, rightfully so. But he has started telling me to be ready 20 minutes ahead of when I actually need to be ready. And I know that, but also I still operate on this time scale. And like that works for us, right? You find little tricks that help with things. I have this little like timer thing that I use where it's like, you know, 40 minutes of work and then take a 10 minute break so that you're not just, you know, getting into the super hyper focus for however long or just, you know, surfing the internet for 40 minutes when you should be doing something work related. Certainly medications have helped. When I started taking Adderall, that was the first drug I tried and it worked really well. And I know not everybody has that experience, but what a game changer that was. Also, I just felt like this cloud had lifted for me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, brush my teeth, walk the dog, feed the dog, go take a walk. Let's get these emails answered. We're going to also clean the house and go go with it. And I just am so grateful for that because it removed all of these, this like negative self-talk that I was giving to myself and, you know, could kind of really make way for well, how do I want to work with this? How do I want to handle this? And the superpowers that come with it too, right? Like ADHD people thrive in chaos. If there is an emergency situation, I am like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go this way. You're going to take this. I got this covered. We're good. Like most people freeze in those types of situations. And I feel like we're so used to kind of navigating like a million things happening in our brain that I can spin 10 plates and it's no big deal. It's just when those 10 plates, you don't know why they're spinning. That's when things get a little hairy. And when I'm not engaged in what those plates have on them that are spinning, I'm checked out. But if I'm into it in this moment, I can like make it rain so heavily. And that is just like the coolest thing, you know? Or when you are in love with a subject and you just go down this deep dive of all of the information about that person or that experience or that subject. I mean, I could tell you everything you want to know about the Brady Bunch. What do you want to know? Like, I got you. Cousin Oliver, Tiger, the dog, what do you need? But that makes us like really cool and fun, I think, too, and really adaptable. We can adjust like nobody's business when you have a friend who is ADHD and, you know, you're constantly late for things and you have the friends that like can't handle that. I'm so grateful to the friends that see me for who I am and they're like, no big deal. Live your life. I'll be here. I can have a drink and wait for you for 15 minutes. That's fine. And I'm grateful to have other friends that have ADHD too and they just get it. And that is just awesome because if you don't text back immediately, no one's mad at you about that. There is so much, so much validity to that. And feeling like seen and accepted and like celebrated for those things. And I never get mad at people for those things. 
probably because I carry that, that empathy for the, for that type of behavior. And it just means so much to me to have people in my life that are the same. It's so true. It's so important to be able to connect with people, especially when you feel like everything you do goes wrong. Oh my God. And the issue is you mentioned like the 10 plates in the air. It's like there's just too many plates. If there were five, everything mm-hmm. would get done and everything would be great. But it's when there's too many and you've said yes to too many things and we've overstretched ourselves and we're saying yes to things. You mentioned this a little bit that we're not necessarily incredibly passionate about, mm-hmm. but we like to please people. We like to be helpful. We don't want to say no. We don't know how to set very good boundaries. So we say yes. And then those two extra plates we've said yes to are the ones that fall. And even though we kind of know it was going to happen, there's so much shame that comes with it. So being able to connect with somebody who knows what it feels like, like, I know you've been so open about how long it took you to graduate college. And like, (laughs) while you were being open about it, I was hiding the fact that I had Mm -hmm. failed out of college twice. And I feel like for both of us in the line of work that we have chosen, Mm -hmm. people looked at us like we had it together. We knew what we were doing, but it was behind the scenes of like, oh, I am barely holding on. When you look back at like what you know now and how ADHD has played a role in your life. Where do you really see it as kind of like the, this is where it it came in and this is kind of when it started highlighting some of the not great things? Oh, yeah. Man, there have been so many times that I have like double booked appointments or meetings on my calendar. And I mean, and I have a calendar and I use it and I live by it. But you know, those like one-off moments where you're like, oh, let's meet. Great face-to-face, you have this conversation, I forget to put it on my calendar, then I get a text like, hey, are you on your way? And it's like, oh, shit. Like, oh, my God. And it's like somebody really important. And how do you get out of that? Like, right? That's pit in your oh, stomach. I can, I'm literally, you said yes. it, and I just, I, I'm yes. cringing because I have felt it so many times. Yes. And uh, like those types of things have happened so many times. And I'm like, what an idiot, you know? Or I'm always late, always late. And so when that when you get into the car and you have to drive, you're like, oh, I can make it across the city in seven minutes during <laughs> rush hour. That's totally no bad. problem. And, you know, you have 20 minutes to get ready. You're like, I'll watch a feature length film, shower, <laughs> like curl my hair, like, you know, maybe make a few phone calls. It's fine. Like, no, I'm going to clean off my counters right now. Yes. And, yeah. and then you get in the car and like immediately like your adrenaline is just like rushing through your body. And so you're driving like a maniac and none of that is positive behavior. And I feel like that also like sets up how your day is going to go too. So then everything just like falls out of whack. Those are ways that it's really impacted me. I think people used to tell me I was a lot. And I have a feeling maybe you got that also. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I did comedy for a long, long time. That was like a huge outlet for me to kind of just exacerbate some of that like attention-seeking behavior, like get it out there. But when I stopped doing that, you know, some of those, some of that behavior became internalized again. And I have a tendency to get repetitive. And you know, people are like, "Okay, just like take it down a notch," and and nobody wants to be told that. But I also can really tell, like, when my meds have worn off. It's like 7, 8 p.m. I'm like, oh, here we go, everybody. Buckle up. Like, you're in for a fun ride. Those are ways I would say, you know, sometimes, like, the out of sight, out of mind piece really affected some of my work, I would say. You know, when you're getting hundreds of emails over the course of the day, 
people asking you for things or can you do this? You know, you I've read all of them, but I don't necessarily respond to all of them immediately. And so some of those things would kind of fall through the cracks. And that really, really bothered me as well, because I'd always been kind of this person who was on top of all of it. And when that started happening, you know, your self-esteem just continues to drop. And so you just have all this negative self-talk and you're like, why can't I, what's happening? Like, why can't I do this? And those were definitely ways that I think ADHD came into play. And also just like from your personality, I don't know if this is an ADHD thing, but it feels like I'm pretty direct. You kind of take emotion out of it. I just feel like that is part of it. You just are communicating something. And I think like people often misconstrue what you're saying and how you're saying it and and put their own type of... They're adding context to what you said. Absolutely. And I was not public about... Like, yes, if you were a social media friend, certainly you would know. But my colleagues at work didn't know. And I think that's a really interesting discussion too, because there's pros and cons to both of those things. I definitely would want people to know in some ways because that might affect their reaction to me or how on top of me they are with, you know, getting information or getting responses, more understanding per se. But at the same time, I think it also comes with a stigma and uh, how people view you can change. So sort of this like chicken egg situation because at work perhaps you could be having an issue and it becomes a performance issue and do you disclose and if you disclose and certainly you're a protected person but that comes with other things so it's a really personal thing to think about and you know as I'm looking and considering where I want to go next in my career you know that's part of it too I, I like to be a transparent person and there's a lot of amazing things that come with ADHD too that I just think the rest of the world hasn't necessarily come to terms with yet. You or know? that they'd know that it's connected yes. to it. Yeah. But I was watching something. I can't remember where it was. I think it was maybe on Instagram, but it was about someone who works with a client who's like a creative and they're brilliant in their work and, you know, sought after uh, from clients, et cetera. But they have an immediate kind of first email that goes out to clients or, or prospective clients that's like, hey, I'm going to knock this out of the park for you. This is an amazing project. I can't wait to do this with you. But I also need you to understand some things about how I work. And I might not get back to you immediately, but I will always get back to you. I have ADHD. These are the types of things that this causes me to do. Sometimes I work odd hours. Sometimes I, you know, I know a deadline. I'm maybe not going to be able to meet that because of X, Y, Z, but I always communicate to you about that. Maybe those are the types of things that, you know, we need to do more of as we continue to, you know, move through this space because with knowledge comes power. And I, I, I don't know. It's just a really, I love how more people are talking about it and normalizing it. And I think about 20 years ago, people didn't want to talk about breast cancer because nobody wanted to say the word breast. And now it's like everybody talks about it, you know, it's, and we know a lot about it. And people aren't dying as often from it because of that. And certainly people don't die from ADHD, but like 
just the fact of people knowing what it is, how it affects people, what you can do to support people that, you know, are are working with ADHD. That's so cool. Like, why wouldn't we want to be inclusive of that? You know, so I just went off for about a good 10 minutes. I love it. I have a few <laughs> things I do want to go back to. Yes. We call the tone in our house and it's directed at me, but it is something we both use because mm-hmm. my partner is also very supportive. Mm-hmm. My tone is not indicative of the way I'm feeling. And I kind of agree with you in the sense of I just need to get it out. We are having a conversation. Something needs to be said. I'm just going to say it. And the adding context to it is so hard because all of a sudden you're like, I'm feeling nothing about the words I just said. And you are adding emotion to them. Yes. And it, it is. I think it's hard. I think we just respond. We want to get things moving. Our brains are working so fast. It's like, get it out as quickly as possible. You mentioned taking medication. I know you were in therapy prior to being diagnosed with ADHD. What else have you done or added or changed that you see helping on a day-to-day basis? So I actually found a new therapist, shout out to my old therapist, who we just kind of hit, like we were at the end of what we were working on. And so it was time for me to find a new one. And the therapist that I'm currently working with now is also an ADHD coach. And I really liked her when we first met because she said, okay, we can go two tracks. We can do straight ADHD coaching, which is going to be very specific, very tangible, very here's what you want to work on. Or we can go the therapy route, which is also going to have aspects of ADHD coaching as well because of just the nature of what we do. And so I opted for that second piece. And it is so helpful to have a person who understands ADHD, right? Like my parents, when I told them, no reaction. Still to this day, no reaction. Like I was in Wisconsin last week, staying with my parents, brought up something about ADHD and it was like, no questions, no nothing. I was like, wow. Meanwhile, I've just been reading all, uh, everything I can get my hands on about people's experiences or as women or, you know, what are things that you can do to help yourself. And certainly like medication and all the tools that we have, like there's no one thing that's going to solve it for you. You have to find like the mix of those things that work. And for me, I know it's going to be a better day if when I get up in the morning, I do some type of movement. And I'm grateful to have a dog that I can take out on a good couple mile walk, you know, put in a podcast or listen to public radio in the morning. But like just like a routine piece And when you get that like body moving and get those fluids moving in your body, like your brain, my brain really appreciates that. That's that's one thing. Sleep, enough sleep. And I'm a solid eight every night. It has to be that way. So that's a huge piece. And then I think also, you know, being gentle with yourself too. Like we're just trying to trying to do it, trying to do the thing. And there's no right way or wrong way. And it's easy to look back on the past and think like, man, imagine if I would have known this in high school when everybody just told me everything that I was supposed to do and I did it and people made sure I got to the places I needed to go to. And I really had no stake in any of that. I just was the person being moved around. But when I went to college and was suddenly on my own, that's when everything just fell apart. And you know, you think about those experiences and I'm grateful for those experiences because they are the reason I am who I am right now. 
but I also think like, you know, we're humans. We think about what if, but if we can try to squash that as much as possible and think about, okay, but what now? And what am I going to do with this? And how am I going to work with it and use it as an advantage and not view it as a negative? I think that's really helpful too, because of the, the positive brain space, it takes too much energy to think about what could have been. Let's move forward with it. So. I'm in my head. I'm like, remember, not what if, but what now? Like, I mean, it's pretty, was that my Oprah quote? I it, think it was my Oprah. Quote. It is. It's and it's so simple, but it's so true, and it's so hard to not live in the past. I, know. I that has been such a struggle for me. Going back to the family thing, my sister. I interviewed her in one of the first episodes, mm-hmm. and she had told me like, I didn't think you had it but I also didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And we have this outdated idea of what it is. And then once you start actually learning about the effects of an ADHD brain on day-to-day life, everything from executive functions and struggling with friendships. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me why I could have really strong friendships with people I met one time immediately but the upkeep oh wait so we met once and then i'm i have to keep calling you like yep it's that out of sight out of mind thing yes Yes. yeah but when you caught when you connect with somebody again it's like no time has passed i mean literally like when we probably haven't seen each other in over 10 years in person yeah and it's not a thing it's not a thing and that's that's the like kind of acceptance you need from people too that it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about what's happening here. Right. And I don't have any feelings about it. Like you said, I'm just saying the thing or doing the thing. There's no emotion behind it whatsoever. That's a really poignant thing to point out. I think it's just hard because I think everyone wants to add something. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you you send a tweet or you send a text and you're like, these are words. You are adding context to them. And, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong. I know there are words that actually have meaning. Like there are yeah, bad yeah, words guys, that we don't. Yes. We're, I'm not going down that route, but I'm saying like, in the workplace yes. or in your friendship. Like, I'm not trying to take over the world. I just noticed this was a thing that was happening and and we should probably fix it. Yeah. And it doesn't have anything to do with me or my career, but it's going to make my life easier. It's going to make your life easier. Why don't we just do it? Yeah. There's no motivation there. It's right. just a thing. Yes. Yes. It's gotten me into trouble, though. Same? Same. Yeah. It's It's been brutal. Yep. I want to talk about what's next. And I know you left your job this summer. And as you mentioned, you're kind of looking for what's next. And you're gauging what you see from other companies and how they're working with people who, you know, work differently and where you see yourself fitting in. And so I would love to talk about the positives. Like, where are you seeing yourself thriving? And, and you mentioned, like, you have this amazing routine. Like, you're having less cloudy days. Like, those are things that are fantastic, but I also know that you probably view it a little differently. Like yeah. You view like you're still this work in progress. Absolutely. So where is the the moments of positivity? Well, I mean, I think think about what are the things you're good at and that you like doing and being. And I will say, I think with ADHD also comes its innate ability to relate to people in like deep in sincere ways. And I think that's like a skill that I try to nourish, you know, maybe a muscle that you try to make stronger. But I have found that, you know, especially 
through the pandemic and the friendships that you're able to to keep up and stay with over this, you know, difficult time just for everybody to stay connected, that things are deeper for me with people. And I really appreciate that. And I think that's, you know, something that I want to, like, I want to feel connected to people. And and so as I think about what's next for me, you know, like a culture, like the culture is really important. And how do we embrace different kinds of people there? And how do we celebrate and support different perspectives? I'm laughing because you mentioned, you know, like, oh, yeah, I leave jobs after three years. Oh. I'm like, me too. It's like, I want to work somewhere where that I don't want to leave yes! once I get bored. That's what we all want. I know. And, and so, and, you know, most of my work has been kind of in business nonprofit too, where it's like, there isn't a next step. You just have to stay there for 30 years and hope someone retires or you also need to move out to move up. You know, I think for me too, like when I think about what I want to do next, I love to solve problems. You're a helper. You always have been. You You really are. But it's like you come into an organization and and you kind of see how things work. Nobody likes someone that's too comfortable at the party too soon, right? Like, no one wants to have that person. So you observe. You observe what's happening. And, you know, this is also where comedy comes in handy, too, because you observe. What's the dynamic? What's happening here? And then you start to see, like, okay, there's a little hole I could plug into there. Or this is an interesting way of doing things. There's some other ways we could also do it here, too. And I think, you know, fresh eyes are really important. And then fresh eyes who also have... ADHD who like just adapt to new ideas and new things and and like get excited to plug those things into what's happening also with the company and improve and make it better and efficient. And it's never taking away from what anybody else is doing. It's just like, hey, it seems like you've been doing it this way for a really long time. Let's try this other thing and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, cool. We can go back to that. Just constantly trying to evolve. And I get really stuck when you are constantly bouncing up against a brick wall and nobody wants to change or do anything new and then it becomes really stagnant and that's when I check out because it's boring and there's nothing that's like nourishing you or feeding you or you're not learning anything new. You know, when I jumped into this last job that I had, a lot of like the technology wasn't up to speed. And so I'm like, we have all of this stuff. Why aren't we using it? And so I just did it, just took it upon myself and like set up our account teams and, you know, reorged the share file and, and everybody was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. It's like, it took me two days to do it because it, that's just my thing. So, you know, that's not someone coming in trying to change everything, but it's like, hey, I see there's some, some things that are happening and we're doing four steps for something that we could just have it be one. And that's kind of like a superpower that I think I have. But how do I translate that when I'm interviewing with people and saying, you know, this is my, this is what I can do for you, you know? And I found, you know, in this market too, it's fascinating because yes, COVID has certainly opened up opportunities across the country, worldwide. We can work remote. But it also has opened up the candidate pool as well. And I kind of have compared it to like online dating where you do the swipe and it's like, well, maybe like this person's cool, but maybe 
there's going to be a unicorn that comes next. So how do I take that ADHD experience and like translate it into being a unicorn? You know, I I also think there's nothing worse than writing a resume. Ah! Like I I would rather run a marathon without training, which is something I have done. (sighs) See? How good could I have been at marathon running had I not? But where did you finish, Linz? Because I have a feeling you did. Well, I mean, I finished, but it was not good. (laughs) It was not good. I had the wheelchair, like the marathon folks were like, get off the road. And I was like, I'm trying to finish this race. And they're like, the wheelchair marathoners are coming through. I was like, awesome, awesome, awesome. So not only did I suck at this, but the wheelchair marathons are beating me now too. Yeah, they're all going past you and you're Mm -hmm. just like, oh, okay. Humbling. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, it's kind of like the scene from an Amy Schumer movie. Absolutely. It's it's just writing itself. (laughs) I want to go back to, you mentioned you had been treated for anxiety and depression prior to your diagnosis. And I was the same. And I can think of like the number of times I sat in a doctor's mm-hmm. office and I filled out the form that makes you feel like crap. Mm-hmm. There's the depression one. There's the anxiety one. And How you, are you feeling in the last two weeks? How are you feeling the last two weeks? Do you feel hopeless? Do you feel like you let everyone down? You're like, yes, all Every the time. Day. Thank you. And I think for so many women, we've all been there, especially mm-hmm. those of us who have been diagnosed with ADHD later in life. Do you think that there would, is there a point in life that you think that there was ever like a miss? Like that someone saw it and didn't say something? You know, that's a it, that's an interesting question. I think maybe because of my age, 20 years ago when I, or that's, that's generous I know, of me. I know I'm going to say I, I, 26 years ago when I started college, you know, I got a 1.56 GPA my first semester in college. And I was a 4.0 student in high school. I was 10th in my class. I had a 32 on my ACTs. I came into college with 30 credits already. And like, what a shift that is. And no one, there was no red flag. No. Literally the exact same yes. experience. And I don't think I even met my advisor until right. until I was being kicked out. Right. Or I was being, you know, yes. punished. There, but there was, even in that, there was never a conversation like, hey, maybe you should go talk to somebody. Right. The academic probation. What? Yeah. And, Only the cool kids. Yes, I'm just teasing. Yes. And, <laughs> it's not you know, a great thing. It's not fun. I think like for, and I think about my parents and it's like they never, we didn't have the language then to use for any of this. And, and especially for women, I think, you know, you can read all of the documentation, but we were taught to follow the rules. We were taught to behave, like socialized, keep it together, emotional labor, whatever you want to call it. Like this is what we do, right? We, we make the things happen. We do this. So I think like that's also a reason why it's hard to was hard to diagnose for us as kids. And maybe I didn't have it as a kid. I don't know. Like when did this all show up? What was the trigger? Who knows, right? That seems to be like a very big red flag. And I, you know, did definitely like withdraw quite a bit in at that time. That was the first time I went on to antidepressants. And it did help quite a bit in that moment. But I also think like what else was happening? But I don't think the language yet existed in the mid-90s for that, especially for women. You know, we weren't little boys bouncing off the walls. We were doing what we were supposed to do, but also, like, no one cared what I did here at college. No one cared if I showed up to class. No one cared if I, you know. So when I had someone who was organizing my life for me and getting me from point A to point B, and I just had to show up and do the stuff, like, that's a huge differentiation to moving to a different state, 
being completely responsible for yourself and not having had the training to do that or like know what the tools are that you needed to do that, you know? So that seems to be like the biggest miss for me. And then it was just a series of other things, you know, up until that, up until I took it upon myself to do that. And I don't blame anybody for that. You know, I really don't. Cause like I said, I just don't think we had, I think about like when our parents were young, they didn't have any of the stuff that we have now, mental health, processing your traumas, all of this. Right. So I do feel really grateful to be here now and know the things that I know. But what now? But what now? Yeah. It is your, it's your saying. It's I mean, my like every it's, day it's, it's question. There. I wake up, I look in the mirror, I say, what now? <laughs> I want to go back to the conversation we were having about your outlet in mm-hmm. comedy and live comedy. Yeah. And you mentioned that you had been told you were a lot. Oh. I also was constantly told I was a lot by so many people, like people who were not in any place to say that to Absolutely. Uh, to me. Absolutely. I ran across someone, a woman the other day who was a lot. And I had this moment where I thought, God, how wonderful that no one got to you. and Mm -hmm. I would love to hear how comedy became that outlet for you you know I was I think it was like a defense mechanism for me in a lot of ways too and just sort of uh for whatever I was feeling I could be like crack jokes and I never had to be vulnerable with people I could just turn everything into something funny you know, going through therapy also like has helped identify a lot of these things too. But it was, it's hard to explain because I have also mixed feelings about comedy too. Like now it causes me a lot of anxiety to think about it because, you know, you're writing very personal things and then getting up on stage and performing them. And depending on who the audience is, it oftentimes can be a room full of comedians who give you no response to then, you know, getting that show ready for a paying audience of people who want to who come to be made to laugh. It's just a I don't know if I really have words to describe it, but it it it's an interesting path, but again, there's like an element of well, look at that because I really started to have things happening for me like kind of 2013, 2014. You know, I was getting calls for like auditions for things and TV and festivals and stuff like that, which was really amazing. But also I had this like incredible imposter syndrome that was like, why are you, what do you, what do you think you're doing? You're so hacky. Why are you doing this? You're a garbage person, like this negative self-talk that exists. And, and again, there's like the craft part of it where you have to focus on writing new jokes. And then that would cause me a lot of anxiety because I felt like I never had enough new material and everybody else was having all this new material. And that generated this like self-doubt in myself as well. And then I really had like a big emotional breakdown uh, late 2014. And something had to give for me because I was, you talked about, we have too many spinning plates in the air. And I always had a full-time career day job And then I always had this like full-time night career comedy. And, you know, you have your coworkers in the day and you have your coworkers at night. And many of those people are great people. And many of those people, you want to spend time with them. But also the people that you've chosen to have part of your life, suddenly, you know, I had no time for them. 
And so I was really unhappy. And I thought, like, what do I want to do here? I can't give up my day job because that's how I'm able to live and support myself. Let's take a break from comedy. And I think like that catalyst was also part of that self journey to get me to the place where I was in 2020 to be able to know myself well enough to say, hey, these are some weird things that are happening that didn't always happen this way. Or maybe I'm just noticing them now, but I know myself well enough to know this. Let's look into it. Because I had the time, I had to sit with myself, I had to get to know me. And, you know, during that break from comedy, and, you know, I focused a lot on myself, I got a lot of myself back in those years following that. And I think, you know, if I maybe if I hadn't had that, who knows, like where I would be now. But, you know, in comedy, it's all pretty like on the spot, right? You're telling jokes on stage, and you're reacting to what's happening in the audience. And, you know, it's taught me a lot to think quickly on my feet. But I also think, you know, ADHD does that too, right? You you have a response for everything. But I also trust what's going to come out of my mouth for the most part. I would say for the most part. If I've had alcohol, maybe not. But like, you know, the adaptability piece of ADHD is really helpful in that. You have to be able to take up space and address what's happening. And if someone says something to you, you need to react to it because you want to keep those people with you. So it all does play into it. But I think had I not gone through that experience and uh, you know, had the breakdown and then really just kind of took some time to focus on myself, like even though it took five years to get there, maybe wouldn't be in this spot right now. So grateful for that. It's like a very high pressure, very public, absolutely pleasing scenario. And when you fall off, no one cares because it's also like ladder rungs, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's cutthroat. Yeah, you, and like, there's someone. Right, she's right out of the way. Climb up. Exactly. Right. Oh, so. I felt that in my line of work mm-hmm. too. If I don't show up, even if it's not something I want to do, yes, they're just going to put the person who is yes. waiting behind me in that yes. spot, and I can't let that happen. And I'm not in a place to say no to anything. Yeah. Oh. Right? Oh, how many times have you said that? All the time. All the time. I sorry, I can't go to your wedding. I have to do this show because if I don't do this show, then this booker won't book me again. But I'm gonna be sad when I'm at the show because I'm gonna watch your wedding on Facebook. I'm gonna have about- FOMO yes. and I'm gonna think about it and I'm gonna internalize it mm-hmm. and debate it for a really long time. And have if a great I was wedding. at your wedding, I'd be mad that I wasn't yes. working. So like can't win. Can't win. Mm-hmm. I wanna wrap this up by asking you when you think of where things stand right now with ADHD awareness, what is like the one message you want to leave? Like what is the the thing that stands out to you, whether it's something small that people should be more aware of or more empathetic to, or if it's a message to somebody who has a similar story? It's oh, a good question. I would say this, like if you even have had the thought do the test. Like there's all these like online resources that you can access that give you an idea. And if you think that's even like a possibility or a thing, like what what do you have to lose, right? I would say there's that. Outside of that too, I would just say listen, people, we've all got things that we bring to the table. We bring different things to the table, and the more that we can see and understand each other for who we are and where we're at, and we all carry so many things that nobody sees. It's not that hard to just treat people with respect, check your ego, (laughs) 
check your own insecurities, right? Because I think like the source of, of all conflict is really that. And everyone should have a therapist. That's what I also think. Oh, too. yes. <laughs> everyone should have a therapist. All on board for that. Uh-huh. I could keep talking forever. I know. The unfortunate too. part is that being someone with ADHD, I have literally like my whole day is scheduled minute by minute, which is something I am working on. Thank you Thank for this. You. It was so lovely to catch up. And Same. like I said, I have been watching from afar and I've I'm so always, proud of you though. I just want you to and, know that. And likewise, honestly, I've always really, really respected your candor and your ability to own, Thank own it. Thank you. And it's not easy. You it's put it not. out there. And I, I know that you put you put a lot out there with humor attached to it, but you put it out there in a way that is funny, but it's also very clear how serious it is to you. Well, and truly, I mean it when I, I remember seeing your LinkedIn post. It's not easy to come out with that stuff. And, and especially when you're viewed as someone who is like a go-getter and has it all together and, you know, is constantly in motion, like, we all need to take a minute and just, you know, recalibrate. And I'm really proud of you for also owning that too, because it's not, like you said, it's not easy and it's not, it, it's hard to be vulnerable. But with, like, I think vulnerability is strength. Mm-hmm. And the more you talk about something, the easier it becomes. And it, it becomes easier for other people to talk about it too. And this is just a, an amazing thing that you're doing here with this podcast. And, Keep doing that. We need more people like you. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. I truly mean that. That's very kind of you. I like to give compliments. I don't like to receive them. I know, I know. I know, but. um, All right, Jen. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I have a very small favor to ask. Could you take a moment to leave us a rating and a review? Your feedback means the world to us. And it helps other people discover the inspiration and insights that we share here. Whether it's a five-star rating or a few kind words, every bit of support fuels our mission to empower and uplift our community. So if you found value in our conversations, please consider leaving a rating and a review today. And of course, make sure to check in with us over on social media at RefocusPod and at Lindsay Gensel. And remember, you can always connect with the show directly through email, hello at refocuspod.com. Thank you for being a part of the Refocus community. Your support keeps us going, and we're so excited for what's ahead for all of us on the other side of this much-needed break. We'll catch you all right back here in April. 